Thanks for listening to this special bonus episode of 90,000 Hours. If you haven't already, please go and check out some of the episodes from season one, which just wrapped up. I'm taking a bit of a break, but I'm having a lot of fun brainstorming ideas for season two, which I'll be back with very soon. A quick acknowledgement and apology for some of the audio in this episode. We had a bit of a crackly connection at times, so apologies and thanks in advance for bearing with us. Also, a shout out to our new Patreon supporters. That would be Allie, Matthew, Kristen, Joshua, and Adam. Thank you guys so much. If you would like to become a general supporter of the show, you can do so in any amount at patreon.com slash 90,000hourspod, spelled with numbers and letters just like in the show title. Your support will be greatly appreciated and help keep the show sustainable for more seasons to come. Thank you to Identical Homes and as always Eric Kuhn for the use of their music in this episode. Also thank you to the guest for today's episode for her honesty, openness, and willingness to be on the show. If you enjoy the show, please do take a moment to rate and review it over at Apple Podcasts. Take care, everyone, and enjoy the episode. To anyone listening to this podcast, I would encourage you to approach it with an open mind, no matter where you come from or what preconceived ideas you have that you've been told by the world about adult workers, because there's so much more and it it isn't inherently a scary, bad place to be. In fact, it's something a lot of us choose because we love it for different reasons. And to unravel or dismantle any ideas they have about what it means, what, the, what those words mean, escort, prostitute, adult worker, and the negative words that they may have heard since they were kids about what that means. It's just really important to look at our old beliefs and if they are true, if they're not true, and if we can to get more information from actual people with lived experience to talk to them. And every sex worker is gonna have a different story. There are no two stories that are alike, but I believe from my own work and the work of my fellow workers that this can be done in a really safe, consensual environment um, and that it is not inherently bad at all to be a sex worker. It's another way of surviving under the system that we live in. So yes, I am a sex worker and sex workers, there's a huge umbrella of us, which includes, you know, escorts, exotic dancers, street workers, brothel workers, um, camming, sugaring. I myself am a full service sex worker in person and I have been doing this for six years. So my background is in social work. Um, I went to school for social work and graduated in 2015. And between 2015 and 2019, I kept a full-time day job in social work. And then at nighttime, I was doing sex work, which I was drawn to and turned to during a time of wanting to support um, a family member financially. I happened to know some folks who already were sex workers, and I asked them to show me how to do it, to teach me, to see if it would be something that would be a good fit for me. And what I've found is that the caregiving aspect of social work is very similar to sex work. And what's funny is the further I go into this world and the more folks I meet in the realm of sex work, there's so many, so many overlaps in caregiving work and so many folks who have previous backgrounds in social work who now are sex workers or vice versa. A nine to five was something I kept always. So it was never really questioned. I had 
a parent who kept a nine to five, I think I was expected to keep one as well. And actually when I began sex work, you know, I'm also queer in my personal life and I had never, I had not slept with cis men. I had never worked with cis men. I don't really know very many intimately in my life. I was very curious about all kinds of things, including yes, working for myself, yes, the money, yes, the flexibility, but also I wanted to, I was curious to see what would happen if I put myself into this situation in a safe way and if it could be done for me. And what I've found is it could be done. And not only that, but it brings me a lot of joy, a lot of flexibility and has really strengthened my own boundaries uh, as I move through the world in all kinds of ways. I figured out pretty early on that I needed to be super transparent with people in my life for my own safety and also so I didn't feel like I was living a double life. So I made sure to tell folks around me from the get-go and try to stay safe and protected through a supportive network and through also getting to know other sex workers. If I'm, you know, in a situation where I'm not sure if it's safe to come out, I always let people know that my background's in social work, which is also true. So that's usually where I go to, especially if I feel like it's not going to be very well received or people don't have enough information to make that kind of decision. I feel like it's very, very glamorized. And I mean, certainly depending on your privilege and what kind of work you're doing, it might be more glamorous than others. You know, there are high-end escorts who have clients flying them around the world. And then there are street workers and brothel workers and everyone in between. But, you know, it's a job with things that are easy and things that are not so easy and have things that are joyful, things that are challenges, just like any other job. But I would say, at least in my experience, it's a lot less glamorous than people would like to make it out to be. You know, there's a lot of behind the scenes work and a lot of work that we do that is actually unpaid. It's not just that the time you're spending with somebody, it's all the time before leading up to it as well. And then maybe the calm down after. And again, I can only speak for myself since it's the kind of work that I'm doing. You know, any non-consensual act across the board is not work, that's violence. And that happens, you know, across all industries, all of society. It's not just part of our job, so to speak. And it's not something that uh, sex workers need to be experiencing. I think a lot of people really do believe that the people who participate in the adult industry are broken or they might be in denial about what they are doing. But I think it is completely possible to go into it and have this be done consensually. You know, a person cannot be bought. It is the service that can be bought. And that's really important to differentiate as well. There is so much bullshit to get through in order to get a good thing going. In fact, you know, you have to go through all kinds of folks maybe coming at you with requests that you don't offer, or maybe they haven't read your details. There's a lot of weeding out the people who are not in alignment with the service that you give. And then when you finally do find the Johns, so to speak, who are in alignment, you want to keep them. And that's why, you know, we try to find regulars and people we can feel safe with. But there's so much of it, you know, no call, no shows. Maybe you devote an hour to getting ready. Maybe you spent hours finding this person. You show up to the job and they don't come, which can be really, you know, really hard on your finances and also your desire to keep going in the work. There's so much. There's more bullshit than not. But the longer I think that I've at least been in this business, I'm able to weed them out much more quickly so that we have a, you know, I have a smoother experience. It's endless, the, the, 
the garbage that comes with it. It's endless. <laughs> some people show up and they want to talk. Some people, you know, they want all kinds of things that you don't offer. And some people are really on board from the get-go. Maybe they've been doing this a long time. Maybe they've seen many other people and know kind of like the right way to interact or the most respectful way to interact with an escort or a sex worker. But a lot of people don't. So it is our job to weed through them and we don't get paid for that. <laughs> And then, you know, there's bad breath and there's smelly people and there's all kinds of people who want to do all kinds of things with you. And sometimes it's not the most pleasant. And sometimes it is. It really, you know, it really depends on the day and the person and where you are in your career as well. I was actually talking to a friend recently. I was joking with her about she's a former sex worker. And I said, you know, aside from the fact that it's very lonely, very isolating, very stigmatized and currently illegal. I said, I love it. <laughs> and we both laughed. And the thing is, it's true. It's all true. I do love the work. And it is very lonely and isolating at times, which is why it's so important for workers to find other sex workers to create community with. We really do hold space for each other and lift each other up when the world seems to not understand. The other thing is, I think folks who maybe struggle with the idea of consensual sex work, we need to look at society and the reasons that people especially really marginalized folks, immigrants, people of color, disabled folks, why they are turning to this work to begin with because our needs are not met on the scale that they should be at the basic level. And so when people are still anti-sex work after having that conversation, my thought is more that they have some kind of hang up around sex versus actually caring about the individual. I actually really love it. And the reason I think I love it is because I enjoy listening to people and listening to their stories. Lots of people are hot. Lots of people are great at sex. It's not hard to do those things. It, it is, I think, at least for me, the most important thing is to connect with my client on a deeper level. Over the years, I just, I have heard so many interesting stories and met folks of all walks of life and connected with all different kinds of people. And it really has given me opportunities that I probably wouldn't be able to find elsewhere. I love that connection with other people. And it's always just been really easy for me to connect with people, both emotionally, physically. I enjoy making people feel better. And I think that's what happens when, when they come to visit with me. For me, I love claiming the title of sex worker. When I do, I feel empowered and I feel like I can connect with other people who are also claiming that for themselves. However, that's said with full respect to dancers, escorts, folks who cam for a living, who do not consider themselves to be sex workers, that should also be respected. And I think the stigma runs so deep that it makes sense that people would not want to identify with that phrase. But for me, it feels really important. The experiences that we go through are so special to us and so unexperienced by other people that for me, it does make sense to identify as a sex worker. But it's interesting. I've you know spoken over the years to other workers or former workers. And a lot of people, it takes them years and years to even realize that they might already be participating in a form of sex work or to use that label for themselves. Sometimes it can take a lifetime and sometimes people never you know identify with that, which is also to be respected. That goes hand in hand with my transparency with people around me about what I do for a living, because I think the more I can talk about it and claim it and normalize it, the better chance we have for that to be more of an accepted and, I quote, normal experience um, in the future. I'm really lucky to 
not only live with sex workers, but have a community of other workers. But I do notice that if I go into a space where I'm not sure if it's safe or I already flat out know it's not going to be received well, there's such an element of sadness because the same folks who might see me as a totally normal, sane, loving human immediately jump to these terrible conclusions about what, you know, what that means or what might be involved instead of staying curious and staying earnest. And really, I wish folks would ask more questions versus just having an idea of what they believe sex work to be. You know, I wish I could share with more people. And I, I do when people want to ask, you know, I've been at a table with people who maybe keep like a, a nine to five and people ask, how is your day? How's work? And I think when it comes to sex work, unless you're already comfortable around people who might be workers or you already know our workers, folks are less likely to say, how's it going at work? You know, are you feeling safe? What's been good lately? What's been challenging? Because all of us can come with, up with our own answers and they're, they probably aren't going to look that different than any other sector of work. It's just that it will be tailored to this work. I try to keep in mind if people are not asking how things are going or they kind of are avoiding it or asking other questions but not talking about work, it just it lets me know that maybe that person isn't sure what to ask. And I'm sure every sex worker will give you a different answer. For me, though, I do really appreciate when people ask how I'm doing, how work is going. It helps keep me feel less alone, less uh, stigmatized and safer knowing that people are looking out or give, you know, give a damn about how my day was at work. I really do, at least for me in my life, I really feel like the majority of my clients, we have such a special exchange and such a beneficial exchange because we do live in a society where we need capital. We need money to survive. I'm able to earn that while providing a service to people that makes them feel good or relaxed or joyful or whatever, or provides some kind of release that they don't get in the rest of their lives. And we both leave feeling better. When I have a great time, when I have a great session, I always say, I always smile at them and say, when it's good, it's good. And they know exactly what I mean, because we don't have to look at, at this entire world and industry as, as bad or shameful as, or, or wrong. We can change that and make it safer for everybody to have their needs met. The majority of folks that I meet are really kind people. And I think there is such a huge stigma for them too. A lot of people are afraid to even reach out or even to contact a, a worker because, uh, you know, what does that mean about them? Are they, should be, they should be ashamed of it? Should they be embarrassed that they're reaching out? And the answer is no. We can help each other by breaking down these stereotypes of being, you know, bad or dangerous people. It's, it's not the case for many of us. It's true, I think ideas and opinions around this really can be shifted, which I see from my own perspective as, you know, thinking about myself at 23 and 24 versus who I am today and the way that I believe, you know, the way I'm looking at systems and, and also this kind of work within this capitalist system today is night and day. And so because I've seen it shifted through me, I know it can happen for other folks too. This will always be here, it has always been here. Sex is, you know, something that humans seek out and not everybody has the traditional way to have their needs met, whatever they may be. Maybe that means a man comes in and wants to be dressed up and wear lingerie and have you tell him how beautiful he is. And maybe somebody 
has never been able to provide that for him or he's been too scared or shy in his life. And I am so happy to hold space and celebrate people in all different kinds of ways. The bill that passed in early 2018, which is uh, SESTA-FOSTA, it stands for Stop Enabling Sex Traffic Act and Fight Online Sex Trafficking Act. So this was a bill passed in 2018, signed by Trump, which shut down Backpage and various other websites and platforms that sex workers were using to post ads, to talk to each other, to stay safe, to even rate clients and say if somebody is safe or, or not safe to see. And when that was taken down, it changed everything for sex workers overnight. The proponents of the bill had hoped it would hold sex traffickers reliable, but in fact, what it has done is dramatically limited the tools available to us and taken away internet freedom, which has inflicted damage and harm to already marginalized communities, um, especially harmful to queer and trans sex workers, immigrants, disabled sex workers. So that was a really big, big hit and big source of pain for adult industry workers when that came about. As far as the decriminalization, we need to have that absolutely to keep folks safer. This bill that was passed does not keep folks safer and it also has not helped in terms of different situation, people who are being coerced and forced into sex labor or trafficking. It has not held them accountable and yet it has harmed our community. So we absolutely need to decriminalize sex work. And there are folks who are you know, proponents of the Nordic model or legalization, but we can look at other countries which have tried these different ways of including and normalizing sex work and they haven't worked. What we need is flat all out and flat out decriminalization to keep folks safer and not drive people to you know, using the dark web or giving even more levity to pimps. This is not what we want to do. So, you know, it's actually pretty heartbreaking for me to talk about that bill. And it, I remember how that felt for me at the time and how I was so concerned about other people in the community who, you know, were using different platforms to get their needs met and to stay safe and alive. Um, it was taken away overnight. So now we've had to, you know, try to build new things or go even deeper into a place that is not accepted and underground, which is really not what we want at all. I personally think that, you know, men are pissed that, that women and non-cis men can capitalize in this way. There's no other form of capital as strong as this. And I think it's scary for people that it, that it can be done. I think it takes a really self-motivated, really certain human who believes in this work, whatever that looks like. Maybe for one person, it's really just a trick. It's really just a quick exchange. Maybe for another person, you know, they might end up having a relationship with a client that lasts for years. But I think that openness and willingness to listen to what has not been met by people, whether it be just companionship or a dinner date or sex or kink or BDSM or whatever people are seeking out. I think it takes a human who really is open to meeting that need and cares about it. At least that's what I can say for myself. It um, can be very difficult when people don't understand or immediately write off the idea of sex work. I just turned 34 last week and 
My first experience doing any kind of sex work was over a decade ago. Um, and at the time, I never would have used that word for myself, sex worker. And I had so many ideas around what it meant to be an adult worker. I had so many preconceived ideas of what was good and bad, right and wrong, which have completely been shattered over the years and have helped me build new ideas and a real sense of freedom about what things could look like. It's been really interesting for me to even just go through that process of unraveling old ideas and being present for the truth, which is that I think this really can be done in a consensual and safe way. The faster we stand up for sex workers and decriminalize, the better it will be for everybody, which of course I want to emphasize is completely different than any kind of coercion or trafficking. You know, underneath everything, whether somebody is a CEO or a CFO or owns their own company or is a truck driver or a pharmacist, everything in between, what I find the common denominator is that people want to feel safe, people want to feel held, and people want to be able to connect in some way. They want some kind of intimacy with other humans, which I find a lot of people haven't had for months, years, or even decades. You know, I've met clients who tell me their partners died years ago, or maybe they haven't had any kind of sex in years, and they just want to sit and hold your hand. It's across the board, no matter what people are looking for, I find that human connection to be the most important part, and that is what drives how I do my business. People come and they'll say, oh, I've seen other providers, and I'm coming back to you because I felt like you, you really cared about me, or you really gave a damn about something I told you. You know, and I've had clients with disabilities who maybe feel like they can't go into a bar and meet somebody or they can't hop on Tinder and find a date for the night. And this is what they are finding to be the best way to connect with another human. And I'm more than happy to hold that space. I wish more than anything that it was safe and free and legal to do this work. I think about the future all the time. And to be honest, I do very much personally because I now work independently, but previously have worked with other people in the social work field. And I do miss working with like a team of humans. So I think at one point I will go back. But what I really love is that all of the skills I learned there and that work really translate to this and vice versa. The holding of space doesn't change. It's just a different context. I'm really privileged to be able to do the work in the way that I do. I'm not working for anybody else. Nobody is forcing me to do anything. And every day I hope we are a little bit closer to this idea where we could decriminalize sex work and decriminalize this and look at it for what it really is. I think I will be participating in some form for a long time. Mm -hmm.